0: Hi, this is Gillian from Rest Reflections. Welcome to episode nine of At Work, the podcast which is all about inequality, injustice and oppression in the workplace. And so I can't believe, first of all, that it is episode nine that we have managed to get At Work going. Thank you so much for those of you who continue to listen and to engage. And most of all, thank you to dave our sound technician magician who ensures that fortnight after fortnight we get at work ready for you guys so thank you so much dave i could not do it without you and thank you for your patience Today we are here to consider, I guess we might say, a slightly different take on intersectionality in relation to white womanhood very specifically. And so I want to start the podcast by asking you to, I guess, ask yourself whether you have been exposed to a fairly unusual, odd, intriguing trend on TikTok, which has been doing the round on social media over the past week or two. what I am talking about is the trend of white women, fairly young looking white women, all teenagers pretending to be crying, videoing themselves, appearing to be in distress, crying very realistically and posting the videos on TikTok. Now, the videos have a plot twist in that it is not only crying videos, it is what I think we call in this country fake crying. And so essentially the competition has been to try and cry in a way that is as realistic and as convincing as possible. And then to show your face return to baseline so that you can evidence that you were not, in fact, distressed and upset. Now, I have seen some of those videos myself. They ended up, some of them ended up on my timeline on Twitter. And I must admit that they are fairly convincing scarily so actually and so perhaps this is why the trend has caused quite a bit of disturbance particularly amongst people of colour amongst women of colour black women black men who have taken to social media to speak about how disturbing they found the videos how triggering, we might even say, they found the trend because it took them to their experience of seeing white women make use, abuse, the vulnerability that society projects onto them for the purpose of either avoiding accountability, harming, or sometimes enlisting structural violence against those who have sought to call them to account and so let's think a little bit more deeply about what's going on here so when i started i i guess encouraged us to bear intersectionality in mind in a conversation that we are going to have So as a reminder, intersectionality is a conceptual tool, I might say, it's a lens to try and make sense of how different axes of oppression may at times combine, become co-constitutive and create very specific patterns of discrimination because they give rise of activate particular, say, stereotypes or tropes that can compound risk of structural violence, right? So that the experience of being a, say, working class black woman is going to be very different to the experience of being a working class, say, white women or being a say working class disabled women and so intersectionality exists primarily to make visible certain patterns of vulnerability as i said within structures but also how to live the lived experience of discrimination of marginalization of exclusion can very much Increase and quite significantly based on where people are socially positioned, right? Based on the axis of oppression. Uh, and so there is an other. I guess I would argue perhaps in a more controversial way, there is another way to think about intersectionality. And I have sometimes asked people to think about how patterns of oppressive behaviour, we may argue, are similarly subject to a form of intersectionality so that axis of, say, oppression and access of power may give rise to not only patterns of discrimination or varying experience of structural harm or marginalisation, but also differing abuses of power that are also subject to very specific kind of Positioning. So, for example, we might start to think that how a white man manifests their racial bias would be very different from say how a white woman's racism might look like. And again, we might be thinking about why working class racism might look very different to uh, people who enact racism from uh, middle-class racism. And so this is the kind of intersectionality or intersectional thinking that might be helpful for us to also think about when we are talking about invisibility or trying to make visible various patterns of harm. And that takes us very directly onto Issues some people have called toxic femininity, which is, I would argue, when white fragility meets all the constructions that white femininity attracts. So construction, for example, of benevolence and constructions of innocence and construction of sanctity, all the ideas that we know are born both of colonial logics, but also of patriarchy. And so when we are talking about toxic femininity, we may say that we are referring to the use by women of feminine or so-called feminine gendered Expectations, or when we become attached to gender construction that in any event reproduce gender inequality or reproduce patriarchy. When we are talking about white women making use of toxic femininity, so we might say white toxic femininity, we are essentially talking about the weaponization of racialized gendered construction that maintain both whiteness or white supremacy and patriarchy. And so some might say white patriarchy. Let me give you an example. Fairly recently, I tried to correct a white woman who was mispronouncing my name. And her response was to accuse me of racism in that I had not appreciated or could not understand that it would be difficult for people coming from various cultures to pronounce my first name, Ghislaine, properly. Uh, and so I must say that even I was taken aback by the accusation. Uh, I knew, of course, that they came from a place of defensiveness, so therefore white fragility. But nonetheless, what was also happening is that through a process of projection, I was being turned into the bad guy. And in this particular instance, I was being turned into the racist. So we could hypothesize that perhaps this person felt that they were at risk of being accused of racism and their way to deal or to preempt the accusation was to make an accusation in kind Towards me Now, whether this was done consciously or not, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Nonetheless, what we can see here is the broader pattern in which when, say, a black woman gets into any kind of conflict with a white woman, And the white woman gets upset, usually in situation where they are being held in some way accountable. They may make use of tears. They may make use of accusation of being or feeling intimidated. They may make use of accusation of aggression. They may make use of accusation of bullying, right? and all those accusation tap into various trope that are racialized and serve various functions so for example a shift the blame or the focus as so rather than being the perpetrator or the oppressor or the person who is doing harm they position themselves as the person who is being harmed so there is a shift of position or of role but what is more dangerous in terms of white women making use of a form of toxic femininity for the purpose of their protection, is that they can then activate in the imagination of people around and indeed uh, within structure racist stereotypes, gendered stereotypes that are racialized. So we might be thinking about misogynoirist stereotype, and that can lead and indeed does lead very often to structures of power and to institutions being enlisted to carry out violence, exclusion on the black woman with whom they may be in conflict with. So what makes a white woman more likely to use toxic femininity? We might say, as uh, some of you might have already noted in the example that I have given you, when there are preemption of accusation, particularly when there are preemption of accusation of racism, when shame, a high level of shame is a factor. And so therefore where they might fear losing face and very, very often, I would say that there is a male audience, if only in fantasy, there is a male audience in mind. And it is often that male audience who will then come to carry out the violence against the person of colour. So, what can we do. Obviously, this is a very complex dynamic. I hope that I have managed to explain what it is that I mean when I ask you to think about the intersection of harm and of power in relation to the reproduction of. Of racism. And I hope that thinking about toxic femininity in the context of white womanhood is going to be helpful for you to understand some of the dynamics which might be taking place in your workplace. But Reflections at Work podcast, it's all about solutions. It's all about thinking about navigating all those complex relational dynamics and scripts. And so I want to suggest a few things that we may want to think about to meet. Mitigate or to limit the opportunities that white women might have to make use of toxic white femininity. So, number one, it's important that we recognize this dynamic. It exists at large, even though it was only in my own adulthood that I started to see the patterns, read other people's experience around that same pattern, and therefore started to put a name to that dynamic. And others have written about it. And if you're interested, get in touch at work at uk, and I can suggest some reading. So number one, of course, Always raise awareness, recognize the dynamics, very important that this is done without understanding what women of color, people of color go through when it comes to navigating oppression at the hands of those who are constructed as benevolent, as innocent again, and as virtuous. And thumb of the pitfall that may come about as a result of these constructions. Number two, I would suggest reflect, particularly if you are a white woman, on your attachment to those construction and to innocence. And in particular, try to connect to your shadow side, and that would include, I'm afraid, your racism and your shadow is essentially the part of ourselves which we do not accept as uh, either being in existence or that are too difficult or too painful for us to connect with and so we tend to hide but those shadow side can come and affect our behavior and indeed how we relate to the other. Now in relation to people who may be black or indeed brown or white and involved in such conflict and so therefore may be bystanders or witnesses. It's very important that you step in and again that you name what you see. What's important when those scripts come into being is that they get disrupted and if you stand back and recognise it but don't act and offer support uh, or a way to make sense of the conflict, then it is likely that an adverse outcome is going to be had for the person with less social power. And in this situation, it is likely to be the person of colour. So step in, whatever you do, do not stand back. And then if you are a person yourself, finding yourself in this dynamic, I suggest that you make your vulnerability known, that you make your distress known, which is also something that might disrupt the script. And so therefore provide an alternative resolution to the dynamic of you being positioned as the perpetrator of violence or abuse and the white woman involved being positioned as the innocent victim. I know, I mean, just saying this, it is so, so outlandish that this kind of script would still be happening today, right? Everybody is thinking about these videos and how absurd they look and how far-fetched they looked. But remember the amount of disturbance they created, particularly in people of colour, in women of colour. So that tells us that the lived experience that I have just spoken about is real, it's happening and the chances are it's happening within your institutions. And so that is all for me on white women and white toxic femininity at work. Just a few ideas to get you thinking about this dynamic. We could do with a lot more theorization. I hope some of you might want to write a bit more about that, even though some have already started. And so thank you very much for listening. As usual, please take care until next time.